All right. Can it happen again? But I don't feel like it can. Have your feelings ever deceived you or let you down? I don't feel like it. That is so American. Don't you want to hitch your wagon up to the gospel train that says, I know. I know who God is. I know whom I have believed in and he's faithful. I'm going to invite you to turn your Bible to 1 Peter chapter 2. This is the second part in the series titled Membership Matters. Membership Matters. The first time we looked at this, we talked about the different parts of the body, and today we're talking about the functions of the body. We're not talking about bodily functions. We're talking about the functions of the body. There's a difference. Some people are not awake. So to refresh ourselves about who we are, let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2, and then to answer the question, what do we do, we'll come back and look at Acts chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. Who are you, son or daughter of the king of kings? Here's who you are. You are a, verse 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you have not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So who are you, believer? You are God's chosen people. You're part of that if you're a Christian today. Well, I don't feel like it. Friend, don't listen to your feelings. Trust the word of God that is timeless and inerrant and it's holy. Now, turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. There was a little phrase in the passage we just read, talked about uh, God's holy people, a holy nation. And then it said a little phrase, that you may proclaim, that you may proclaim. And that will help us with function number one, which is going to be evangelism, that you may proclaim. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who were believed were together and all, had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Wow. So what do we do? Well, there's five functions in the early church that, from the New Testament that I'd like to share with you this morning. Number one, evangelism. Evangelism. 
First Peter chapter 2, we just read it, so that you may proclaim. The Greek word for that it talks about, it means to publish abroad, to put it out there, to get the news out. Romans chapter 10, verse 14 says, how can they call in, upon him whom they have not believed in? And how can they hear without someone teaching? How can they believe in one that they've never heard about? How can they go unless they are sent? How beautiful are the feet of those that preach the good news. Believer, be reminded today that if you are a child of God, you're part of his New Testament church, that one purpose of your life and function in the early church and the present church is to get the gospel out to a lost world, searching for answers, searching for hope, and we have it. His name is Jesus, that's right. There's power in that name. Yesu, Jesu Cristo. It's power in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that? You better believe it, friend, because at that name, people are healed. At that name, chains break. At that name, the darkness flees. A church that pleases God is a church that seeks and saves the lost. You say, well, I don't feel like doing that, and I don't, I'm not really burdened about that, and I don't really care about that, and I, it's not a part of my life to think about getting the gospel out of it, friend. If that's true for you, and it's, it's been true of many times in my own life, but if that is your everyday attitude, then, friend, you are not walking in the Spirit. Because if you're walking in the Spirit, the God who's living inside of you, the person of the Holy Ghost, he's thinking about lost people. He's thinking about all of the things he's doing to put the gospel in front of people and drawing lost people to himself. And he has limited his sovereignty down to us and our mouths and our bodies and our feet and our hands going to tell people. That's his primary method, is the evangelism of the New Testament church. Paul said to Timothy, go, fan the flame, and tell people the good news about Jesus. Number two, Second function of the early church and the present church is discipleship, learning. Jesus said to his disciples, take my yoke upon you, learn from me. Discipleship, learning, verse 42, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They were learning. They were, they were gathered around the Word of God. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, what you have learned, what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men. Entrust all these things that you've learned about the Lord, entrust that to others who will be able to teach others also. This is the process of multiplication that Jesus set in motion for the early church and the present church. So how are we going to reach the world through multiplication of discipleship? Who are you discipling? Who are you telling about Jesus? Who are you passing on all these amazing things you learn about walking with God? Who are you investing that into? You say, well, I, I don't have time for that. Friend, that's one of your purposes if you're, if you're a believer. 
This is God's method of getting the gospel out. We all need a Paul, an apostle Paul in our life, somebody that we can learn from, someone that can guide us and can speak into our life and see things from a different perspective and teach us all that they have learned about walking with Jesus. And we all need a Timothy in our life, somebody that we can be passing it on to, passing on the things that we learn about the Lord and how to walk with him. Last Sunday, we had a day set aside for global missions, folks on God's heart for the nations. And if you can't get excited about that, Fred, I don't know what you can get excited about. If you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, that, that, that's part of the mission. It's all through the text, all through the scriptures about getting the gospel to all nations. But maybe the problem is, is that many of us have never been discipled. Many of us have never actually learned what it means to walk with Jesus in a practical way, week by week, day by day. We just go to church. We just come and sit and soak and, and just then go on and do our own thing. And so if that's your heart, if that's who you are, you need to just simply say, God, would you put people in my life to help me learn what it means to walk with Jesus? And you cannot take people where you have never been before spiritually. That's why many of us feel so insufficient in taking people and passing things on to them about the Lord is we've never been there ourselves. So you cannot take somewhere spiritually where you have never been. If you have no convictions, you can't t talk about convictions. If you don't believe all of the Word of God, you can't talk about the Word of God. If you, if you never tell other people about Jesus, then you can't talk about evangelism. You can't say to other people, hey, go to the nations, pray for the nations if you're not doing it yourself. Many of us have never, ever been discipled in the American church, and it shows. But it's not too late. Find somebody that walks with the Lord and just get close to them. Follow them around. Say, hey, you're just going to have to get rid of me. Show up at their workplace uninvited. You might get them in trouble, but it'll get their attention. Number three, fellowship. Oh, we love this in the Baptist church. Fellowship, verse 42, says that they broke bread together. They spent time. Verse 46 talks about they were in each other's homes fellowship. Did you know that we need each other's companionship? We need to be around other Christians for our own spiritual health. We need other people to pray for us. We need to encourage other people. We need to catch that contagious faith. You don't get that from sitting at home and watching t uh, church on television. Now, if you have a very interactive computer, you might can get some of it, right? Like people talk to you, you talk to them. What's up, video chat, all that. But there's just something about being able to slap somebody on the back and say, hey man, how you doing? How can I pray for you? Look them in the eyes. Fellowship. So here's a question. When was the last time you initiated a fellowship opportunity with another believer? Outside of Sunday morning. When was the last time you invited someone over to your home? Well, now that's my house, that's my holy place, that's my refuge, that's my nest. Look, you do realize God gave you that house, right? He owns all of it. You know, when you signed your mortgage papers for that property, uh, there's probably this little clause in there that said that you now are the owner of the mineral rights. 
You ever, do you remember that, signing all those papers, some of you? And so if you strike oil, you get to tap into that abundance. Or if they find gold in the dirt at your house or an old car in the dirt at your house, then that's yours. But you know, the truth is, God owns that dirt. God owns those minerals. God owns the land that that house sits on. He owns that house. He owns that nation. He owns that planet. He owns the solar system. He owns the Milky Way galaxy. He owns it all. So say, oh no, this is mine. That's not the right heart of a Christian. You can't read Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47 and say, that I, it's all about me having my own little utopia and, and I don't care whatever. You see, that doesn't line up with the biblical call to make disciples. A people that have fun together can reach a lot of people. Some years ago, the first time, I went to a very large nation in Asia that, where they make a lot of things. We were on the airplane and we were going to Hong Kong. And we show up, we get on the ground uh, Lewis Zink, who grew up in this church, he was actually on that trip. That's where I met him. And so we get on the ground, and they take us, the missionary takes us to Disney World in Hong Kong. And I'm telling you, we were fighting mad. This was not a part of the itinerary. It was not a part of our plans. We had people pray for this. People had given us resources. People were just bathing our trip in prayer. It was a dangerous trip. And so we get over there, and the missionary says, we're going to Disney World the whole day. And we were furious. We were ready to fight, and most of us were determined we're not going in there. And the missionary looked at us with tears in his eyes. He said, I need you to trust me. So the whole day, we went to Disney World. We went to the parades. We went to the Lion King. We went to all these things. We rode these rides. We had a lot of fun. At the end of the day, we're debriefing, and the missionary said, what you're about to do. And the truth is, most of us didn't know each other. We just came from a lot of different churches, he said, what you are about to do has great consequences. People's lives are at risk. Families are at risk. Churches are at risk. All of our work that the missionaries were doing would be at risk if we make a mistake. He says, it is essential for you guys to know each other and to trust each other. And so the rest of that week, we begin to understand why that was so important, to build that team, to get to know each other, to trust each other. Because we have to put our shirts over our head and go into high-rise apartment buildings where if we got caught, we would be kicked out, but also, more importantly, the believers there would be arrested and maybe worse. We did a lot of things that week that it was essential for us to trust each other and to listen to each other. And it's the same way here in Hancock County. We get to know each other, it builds trust. We listen to one another, we love each other, we laugh together, we cry together, we joke together, we eat together. It builds relationship. Let's not forsake the fellowship of the believers. Number four, fourth function in the early church, ministry slash missions. Look at verse 45. It says that they sold their things and they united their resources. They sold their possessions, belongings, distributed proceeds to all as any had need. Last week, I already mentioned it, Go Day. That's why we did that. That's why we focused on missions and ministry. And we had all kinds of ministries in our fellowship hall, multi-purpose building, 
back in the hallway. Now, we could have had twice as many ministries here on the coast. We could have had, could have had 100 different ministries from all over the southeast. But the ministries that were back there were gospel-centered, and, and that means that their purpose exists to get the gospel out, to do ministry, but their primary purpose is to spread the gospel. Now, there's other ministries out there that we partner with as believers individually and as a church that do great ministries, but their mission may not be to get the gospel out, but their ministries are very important. It's not minimizing that. So the ministries that we had were gospel-centered. So sometimes you may be passionate about a certain area of ministry, but so-and-so over here, they may be passionate about this ministry. And so sometimes we discourage one another because we do not value each other's ministries. We do not value one ministry over the other because it might not get us excited and we might not be passionate about it. But in the body of Christ, we all have different parts. And so all of these different leaders are passionate about their area of ministry. Why is that a good thing? Because if they're not passionate, they're not going to be very good leaders of those ministries, correct? So as a believer, we need to be respectful of other ministries. We need to be respectful that somebody has a passion for a certain area of ministry that we may not be, it may not float our boat personally, but it's important for the kingdom of God. A great example of that is Miss Peggy Tedford has been volunteering in the preschool and in the children's room. And Miss Peggy, by her own admission, would say that she just doesn't get real excited about that. She has other giftings and other ministries. And she says, Brett, it's hard to get off the floor at my age. But she did it. She's, she's been volunteering and serving because there's a need. But she's not real super passionate about it. She's passionate about Jesus. And that causes her to do what she may not feel gifted to do. But what if Miss Peggy said, you know what? I don't have a heart for that ministry, so I'm not going to care anything about it. That would be discouraging to those leading those ministries. So that's how we have to be about all different ministries in our church. We need to be appreciative that God has laid things upon their heart. Number five. By the way, let me back up. Ministries, ministries. You may have seen on our social media church Facebook page, Baptist Global Response, Hurricane Dorian right? Hurricane decimated the Bahamas. Many are saying that it is, I know it's hard to believe, but it may have been as far as for the people that it hit on those two islands, worse than Katrina. We're just as bad. And so if you want to help those people, you can go on our Facebook page, go to baptistglobalresponse.org, and 100% of those proceeds will go to help the people in Bahamas. And so Today, we have some very, very special guests with us today, Clint and Bianca and their baby, little baby girl, Libby. So Clint and Bianca, we say hello, and they are refugees, evacuees from Hurricane Dorian, and we love you guys, and we know that your world has been rocked, but many people in our church know exactly what that's like. So you're in the right place, but also uh, 
we want to just, can we pray for you guys, your family right now? So those of you close to them in the balcony, would you guys mind just laying hands on them, surrounding them? Look, revival's breaking out in the balcony. Let's, let's put our hands on Clint and Bianca Curry and baby Libby. Let's pray together as a church. Father, we lift up this precious family. God, their whole world and family and friends, as they know it, God, has been destroyed. So God, we pray that the peace of Jesus would flow down. God, you would touch them with your peace that surpasses and God, that you would speak to them. God, would you speak to Clint and Bianca? God, would you give them clarity? Give them the gift of faith and courage during the valley. Lord, we pray that you'd be with little baby Libby. God, that you would just protect her from new things. And God, that you'd just give her peace. And pray, Lord, that she would just be on a, just a big fun journey. That this all would be fun to her. And God, that you'd bless this family. Oh, God, that you would provide for their needs. Monetarily, God, their home. And Lord, that you would help them during their time of need. God, we pray this. And all of God's people said, amen. What a privilege to have you guys with us today. Thank you for being here. Missions, it's part of the church, ministry. Number five, but not least, worship. Worship, verse 47. It says they were... They had favor with God. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. Praising God. What does that look like? Praising God. The Lord was adding to their number day by day. Did you know that the reason why you exist is to worship God? That's why you exist. That's why you are here it's why your heart is beating for the sole purpose of worshiping the Lord, to bring glory to his name. So if you're not worshiping the Lord, then you are defeating the purpose for which you exist. And you might as well be dead. You might as well just not even be alive if you're not going to worship the living God. Because that's why you're on the earth. That's why you're here. That's why God created you in your mother's womb. John 4, 24, Jesus says, God is spirit, and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and in truth. Are you worshiping God in spirit and in truth? Not just Sunday morning, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You know, we can go to a football game, and something amazing happen, and we can high-five, chest bump random strangers that we've never met before, get excited, hoop and holler and act a fool. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But we have some people accept Christ and we give them the golf clap. And I just wonder if our theology is that bad. Like if we really believe that when God saves somebody, he sets them free for all eternity. He purchases them with his very own blood and puts their name in the book of life and secures a spot in the kingdom of God forever and ever and ever, and we give the golf clap. 
But when we go to a football game, man, we'll, we'll come, come home, even watching it at home. I mean, our voice is gone. Now, who won the Super Bowl in 2001? Do you know? Okay, well, there's one of us. Thank you. <laughs> who won the football national championship in 1998? Are you serious? All right, let's keep going. Boy, everything's gone downhill since then, hasn't it? You set, you set me up for that. Good old Rocky Top. Okay, who won the national championship in 1971? You have issues. Okay. Who won the 1A state Mississippi State Championship in 2002? No, I did. I did. The Puckett Wolves. And I have a ring. And you know, you know why I don't wear that ring? It's big. It's nice. Put our little town on the map. But you know why I don't wear that ring? Because nobody cares. They'd say... Why do you have that silly ring on? That big old thing. Nobody cares. Now, 100 years from now, is it going to matter who won a football game? Is it going to matter, you know, how well the economy did? Is it going to matter if your flowers bloomed in the spring when they were supposed to? No. What is going to matter? Whether people know the Lord or not. I think sometimes our perspective is off because our theology is wrong and we don't really believe the Bible. We say we do, but we really don't. Because if we really do, we would be passionate about things that God is passionate about. Psalm 96, let the heavens be glad. Let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Let, then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy. All through the Psalms, it says, sing a new song to the Lord. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. We're about to have our time of response. Before we do, there's really a sixth function. They don't teach this in church growth class, but there's a sixth function, I think. And it should permeate every single one of these. Anybody know what it is? Prayer. Prayer. Spiritual breathing. Prayer should be involved in all of these five functions. Prayer is where it's at. And if we can become a people, catch a burden and begin to pray, be honest with ourselves and be honest with God, and God can begin to break our hearts for what breaks his. And when God begins to revive us personally, then it will be contagious and it'll catch on. What happened in 1857 can happen again. But it starts not with my brother nor my sister, but me, O oh Lord. That's where it starts.